Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Luke chapter 10. Would you open your Bibles there? Uh, the ads are very effective. Like a good neighbor. Look at that. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, tonight we're talking about like a good neighbor. No intention to push State Farm over anybody else. Just they've got a catchy, a catchy ad. So we're going to read in a moment verses 10, uh, chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. You may remember this story uh, just a few, just a few years ago. Really an astonishing thing that happened in New York, in New York City. A construction worker by the name of Wesley Autry was standing on the subway platform. He had with him his two young daughters, and uh, they were waiting on the next train to go wherever it is they were going. Suddenly, another man on the platform who appeared to be suffering a seizure stumbled and fell off the platform and onto the subway tracks. And just at that moment, there appeared the lights of a rapidly approaching train coming down the subway tunnel. So it doesn't take a genius to figure out what's about to happen. It's going to be awful. Acting very quickly and with no, apparently no thought for himself, Wesley Autry jumped down into the tracks to rescue uh, this victim of the, of the seizure and began by dragging him, trying to drag him out of the way of the train. But he looked up and realized the train was coming too fast. He didn't have enough time to pull the man off the track, so he pressed the man into the hollowed-out space between the rails. If you've been there, you've ridden the subway, you've seen them. He pressed the man down and then laid his own body over him, on top of him, in order to protect him as the train then rapidly passed over both of them. Once the train cleared, and it had cleared Wesley's body only by inches, in fact, it came so close that it left grease marks on the top of his wool cap that he was wearing on his head. That's how close it was to his own his own body. So when the train had passed and came to a halt, Wesley called up to the frightened onlookers up on the platform and said, there are two little girls up there. Let them know their daddy is okay. Well, of course, for good reason, Wesley Autry became a national hero overnight. Uh, people were deeply moved by his display of selflessness, and they marveled at his bravery and the split-second decision-making uh, of this man who did a remarkable thing for somebody he didn't even know. Didn't know his name, had no reason to know him, but he was a stranger, but he immediately helped him. And the next day, as the news media reported it and covered it, he was called the Subway Superman, the Harlem Hero. But one headline in one of the newspapers in New York put it in biblical terms. And it said, a good Samaritan saves a man on the subway tracks. So we're going to talk about the good Samaritan for just a few minutes tonight. Jesus tells lots of stories. We call them parables usually. A parable is simply a story from real life with a spiritual meaning or application. Most of Jesus' parables had one central focus or one central meeting, meaning, 
And the meaning of this one is that we should care about and serve our neighbor, whoever he may be. So we're going to read verses 25 to 37, talk about it for a little bit, and then we'll go home. Okay? Look at verse 25 of chapter 10 of Luke. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? The lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which about two days' wages in that day, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, perhaps choking on his words. Well, that's not in the text. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We are familiar with the fact that Jesus was constantly being harassed by the Pharisees, the religious leaders. A layperson, a lawyer, an expert in the law, asks a good question, but with bad motives. He is hoping to trap Jesus into saying the wrong thing. So he says... He asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the lawyer is an expert in Scripture, so Jesus answers him with a question. What does the Scripture say? Obviously, at that time, the only Scripture was what we now call the Old Testament. And so the lawyer quotes, first of all, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, part of the Shema, often stated today and then by Jews, Deuteronomy 6, 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Then he quotes from Leviticus 19, 18, which says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this expert in the law gave a very good answer. Love God passionately, that is, with all your heart. Love God personally, that is, with all your soul. Love God expressively with all your strength. And love God intelligently 
with all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. We, we love ourselves instinctively. Now that, that's not a bad thing. Don't think of it that way. Sometimes we say, oh, I, I don't, I'm too humble to love myself. Well, don't go there. We do love ourselves instinctively and there's, there's nothing wrong with that because what it means is we instinctively react to anything that might harm us. If, if Tom Taylor were to stand up right now with a baseball, and he were to fire it at me from point-blank range, I'm going to do one of two things. If if he doesn't throw it real hard, I'm going to try to catch it. But if he throws it real hard, I'm going to duck behind the pulpit so I don't get bonked on the head. That's just instinctive in us. We love ourselves. We want to protect ourselves. So instinctively, I'm going to try to catch the ball or duck so that the ball doesn't hit me. You're not going to do that, are you, Tommy? Okay, all right, good. I just wanted to be be sure... You know, we could have a living illustration right here in front of God and everybody. So love your neighbor as yourself. We love ourselves instinctively. So if you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, then you will instinctively love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus says to the expert in the law, that's the right answer. Now go and do it. Ah, now we've reached the rub. Go and do it. The lawyer is disappointed with Jesus' answer. Do this and live. Reason he's disappointed is he knew he had not, he knew he would not, and he knew he could not love his neighbor as himself. That is why inheriting eternal life is by grace through faith, in Christ and Christ alone, a gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And to deflect the heart, the, the heat of the moment, he asks to try to change the way this is going. He asks this question of Jesus. Who is my neighbor? The expected answer? Other Jews. Other good Jews. That's the answer he wanted. Because then he would say, ah, I do that. I love other good Jews. Instead, Jesus tells a story. And the story is a story that we love. And since we were children, we've called the story of the Good Samaritan. It took place on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem which at that time was a narrow, winding, dangerous road, 20 miles in length. And during that 20 miles, the elevation would drop 3,600 feet. I've said before, having traveled that route probably 20 or 25 times in, in my life, that that area, the way that it looks, has more in common with the surface of the moon than it does where you and I live, the, the things we're used to seeing, the vegetation and the trees and, and Lake Belton and, and all and, and all of that. So the road would have been very winding and narrow. Now, today, if you travel that route, you're going to travel a superhighway. Israelis have built a superhighway. You'll jet right through there. When I first went to Israel back in the 80s, that road was not totally paved between Jerusalem and Jericho. 
you would be on pavement, then you would go on gravel, then you'd go back on pavement. And it was, um, how can I say, an interesting journey because the road was extremely narrow. And on one side, as you go down toward Jericho, on one side would be nothing except a drop of a thousand or more feet. On the other side, you've got a wall up against you. And the road is very narrow. In fact, I remember my first journey. We're coming down from Jerusalem, going downhill. We come around a curve, and all of a sudden the bus driver puts on the brakes because there's another bus coming up the hill. And the road's not wide enough for both both buses to pass each other at the same time. So the two drivers begin to speak to each other, and um, they can't speak without using their hands. And I don't know what they were saying, and that's probably a good thing, They were very animated, very animated. And I could tell enough that they were trying to decide who's going to have to back up. And it ended up being us because we were coming downhill. It was decided we would back uphill. I don't know how he could see well enough to back up. And so I was a little nervous. I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to die. I just hadn't planned on it in the Holy Land away from my family. That this wasn't the day that I had planned. So we're backing up the hill, get to just a wide enough spot in the road where the other bus then begins to come. And that bus was so close to us, and I'm sitting on the left side of the bus, that bus was so close to us that I could look and count the freckles on the noses of everybody in the other bus. Finally, they get past us and we go down the hill. Well, you didn't want to know all that, but you got it. Okay, so it's the narrow winding road. Finally, in a place that's wide enough near the bottom as things spread out was probably where the robbers were waiting. And they jumped on this poor traveler and pulverized him and took his stuff and left him for dead. And so the scripture tells us what happened. A priest came along. There probably wasn't anybody that came along for a while. But finally a priest came along and he passed by on the other side. Then a layman came along, scribe, and he passed by on the other side. Then came a Samaritan. Now, I'm going to venture a guess, though I can't prove it, but I'm going to venture a guess that when Jesus said the word, Samaritan, there was a reaction from his listeners. It may have been (gasps) a gasp. It may have been a hiss. But I can tell you they didn't just listen to it passively. When Jesus said the word Samaritan, his Jewish audience reacted in some shape, form, or fashion. And I'm sure that expert in the law was beginning to shift a bit uncomfortably though he is yet to hear the outcome of the story so what's the big deal between the jews and the samaritans well i i think you are pretty familiar with what happened you'll not find anywhere in scripture the word good and samaritan now we have said it's the story of the Good Samaritan, but that's not in the Bible. The word good and Samaritan 
would be considered by Jews to be an oxymoron. The two do not go together. In fact, in those days, most Jews regrettably would have said the only good Samaritan is a dead Samaritan. Now, the depth of hostility between the Jews and Samaritans was perhaps even more intense than what we see today between Palestinians and Jews in the Middle East. And it all came about because in 721 B.C., the northern kingdom of Israel, the the division, the, the kingdom had been divided between north and south. Samaria became the name of the northern kingdom, Judea the name of the southern kingdom. And in 721, the northern kingdom was defeated by the Assyrians and many of the Jews were taken off into captivity. There were some who were left there behind. And after the many of them were taken off into captivity, people from other nations began to move in. And the Samaritans who were there, the Jewish Samaritans, began to intermarry with Gentiles and non-Jews. Now, park that in your mind for a moment. Later on... The southern kingdom, 586 B.C., the southern kingdom fell to Babylon. The Jews were taken off into captivity. But after 70 years, they were allowed to come back. The Samaritan Jews heard they were coming. And they prepared to celebrate and welcome them back. However, the Jews who were coming from Babylon from captivity did not want to be welcomed by the Samaritans. In fact, they resented the Samaritans because of their intermarriage and their changing of worship from Jerusalem to Mount Gerizim. And that all goes way back there. But in other words, the Jews despised the Samaritans. And it only got worse as time went by. So, just a little snapshot that brings us to this text And the understanding that this Jewish audience would have reacted very badly to any mention of a Samaritan that might have been favorable and not accompanied by hellfire and brimstone. And Jesus is about to paint a Samaritan in a favorable light, an unlikely hero. And he does what he does, as we read in the text, at some risk to himself, not knowing what may, he may encounter as he takes this man to uh, uh, an ancient motel and, and inn, pays for his medical care, takes care of him himself personally that night, then leaves money and says, if it costs more to take care of him than I've given you, then next time I come, so he must have been a frequent traveler, next time I come, I'll pay you back whatever it costs you to take care of this man. So then Jesus drives home the point by looking at the lawyer and saying, perhaps with a smile, who is the real neighbor? And notice that the the expert in the law cannot get the word Samaritan to come out of his mouth. He just will not say it. So instead of saying the Samaritan, he says, perhaps choking and coughing, 
the one who helped. The one who helped. So, the last question, who is my neighbor, is the wrong question. Don't worry about who is your neighbor. Be concerned, rather, about being a good neighbor. So those are my two points for tonight. Don't worry about who your neighbor is. Be concerned about being a good neighbor. And what the scribe, what the lawyer was really looking for, what the answer he was hoping for, he really wanted to know, who is it okay not to love? That's what he was hoping would come out of all. Who is it okay not to love? He didn't get the answer that he was looking for. So what do we take from all this, knowing that Jesus had one main point to each parable? We should love God 100% and show it by loving our neighbor. And our neighbor is anyone who is in need or anyone whose path we may cross at any time. So we start where we are. We start where we are. Sometimes it's, uh, let me make a true confession. I've been lots of places on mission trips outside of America and other places in America. Sometimes it's easier to go to a place where nobody knows you and you don't know anybody and show them love than it is to show the person down the street who has the loud parties or the person whose car is always parked in front of your house or, you know, the person whose grass is too tall by our standards, the person that we really don't like because he's he's so obnoxious or she is so obnoxious. And so we find all kinds of reasons to not like them. None of them are valid. None of them are valid. So we start where we are. Our own homes, our own street, our own neighborhood, where we work, where we go to school. And then to the ends of the earth. Yes, definitely to the ends of the earth. But I wonder if we're going to be very effective in... India or Moldova or China or Haiti or any other place if we aren't effective first right where we live. So that's a challenge for us. See a need, try to meet it. See a hurt, try to heal it. We do this because of who we are. I love our church. I said that this morning. I love what you do. I marvel, I marvel, I marvel, I marvel when I see what you do in our community. It's unbelievable. Just amazing. And I'm really proud of you. So let's remember, love your neighbor. And here's why we love our neighbor. Three reasons. With this, I close. We love our neighbor to meet human need. It's right in front of us. We love our neighbor to meet human need. Secondly, we love our neighbor because it's our witness. It's our witness. Thirdly, we love our neighbor because we have to. Because Jesus lives inside of us and he won't let us alone if we don't. So three reasons. Meet human need. It's our witness. And we have to because Jesus dwells in us.
That's the story tonight of the, of the Good Samaritan. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for all the love that you have poured out upon us. And we understand the significance of this story, that we are indeed to love you 100% all the time. And then that we should show that love by loving our neighbor as ourselves. So, Father, we may encounter somebody this week that at first glance we're going to think, I don't really want to talk to him or have anything to do with him or her. But, Father, help us to realize that we are likely seeing this person because you have brought them across our path and there is something that we should say or something that we should do. And I pray that we'll remember that and that we will indeed love our neighbor as ourself. So help us to do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close. Um, we'll sing a song of invitation. Any decision you want to make, give your heart to Jesus. I know we're the home crowd, the Sunday night crowd, but if there's a decision you want to make, you come, and we'll sing this song with all of our heart and mean it from the depths of our being. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254 254- Nine three nine zero seven zero five. If you need prayer or need to talk with someone, we're here to listen, help, and encourage.